couldn't think of a better reason to come back than actually celebrate one of the greatest 20th century characters brought back to film in The Batman. So as Aileen was saying before, you know, why do you think Batman keeps coming back on the big screen? What's, uh, what is the allure of that character? Yeah, why why Batman? Like, I, I mean, Superman's been around too several times, but I think Batman has more movies or TV shows out there. I think than Superman. They're they're about even, actually. I think. Yeah. I think Superman so. cartoon, I think, was first, and then you'd have the Burt Ward Adam West TV show, and then there might have been one in between with George Reeves for Superman. Prior to that, in between the two, but it's always been flipping and flopping between. I think Superman definitely has more cartoons. Sorry, no, Batman definitely has more cartoons than Superman. Um, it's also the uh, Batman serials, nineteen forties yeah. and thirties too. Uh, Batman's been around. Both those guys are integral characters. You know, both are in DC. Uh, even though Batman uh, wasn't part of Action Comics, I don't think I could be stood detective correct comics. on it. He was in Detective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it's you got to appreciate that Batman is kind of like the character we all aspire to be. He's a grown man with expensive toys, and he does good for the little person. He's you know, he's he is the modern day Robin Hood. The other thing, too, is you can constantly change that character. Very, well, he's, he's always in Gotham. But he's always in Gotham, but I guess the tone, tonally, I guess, because you get something like Batman and Robin that's, I guess now I can watch Batman and Robin and think about, okay, this is a remake of the 1960s show. Has to be. Even though I don't know their attentions were at the time, probably not. But that's the way I see it now. I see Batman and Robin as, a, that's, that's as close as you're going to get to the remake of the 1960s Batman. Like if you sort of look at music history, you get a really well written song, whether it's melody or lyrically, and sometimes even both. An artist, you know, can interpret it based on what emotional response they get from how well written that character is or how they feel affiliated with that person. Every incarnation of Batman is different. Yeah. Um, they all have their own strengths. They definitely have weaknesses in terms of how they've interpreted the character. Um, but yeah, I, I'm almost beginning to appreciate that every incarnation of Batman is getting better and stronger, uh, whether through filtering process or just they're getting to really understand how well-written and the breadth of that character in history. He's been around almost 100 years. Yeah. 80 years, roughly, I think. 1940s or 50s? Was it 1939? 39? So, like, that's, yeah, you're, you're hitting almost your 75-year mark. Actually, hold on. 39, 1922, year 17 years. You're looking, what's uh, that, 83-year-old character? Yeah. That's an impressive history for any character, and that's the 20th century as far as films go in terms of you know literature inspiration 
The comics. It was um. It was uh. 1939. May 1939 was the first. May 1939. So you're looking at 83 year old character, and I tell you what, he still looks fucking good. <laughs> Stylish. Yeah. But you know, you know, as long as they stick to the core principles of what that character is about, you know, he he can't go wrong. And truists or Puritans. They want the essential integrity of that character to remain on screen. I, you know, after seeing this film, you know Batman better than I do. Both of you guys do. Like I, I do love Batman. I've lo- I loved him a long time, um, but not to the degree you guys do. Love but uh, after seeing this film, I, I prefer the the sort of the dark, the macabre, the the gothic. I, I think this is the most gothic Batman. Definitely. I agree. But like mind you, Keaton's and Tim Burton's take is pretty gothic, but it, it, it's kind of brighter though too in terms of the presentation on screen. It's more it, fantasy like. Yeah, it's it's more it's more it's very Tim Burton universe. Um there there's an overtone of sepia in, in this take in this film. And it, it sort of gives it a, a more gothic feel. It was filmed in the in the UK, I believe, mostly. What's the rating of, of the Batman? Of this it's only PG. PG-13. No, PG in Canada. That's the, most, that's the first thing I noticed when I went to the film. I noticed it was PG in Canada. It might be PG-13 in the States. It is Canada is a bit more uh, lax in terms of the rating yeah. system. It's pretty dark. For it is like for yeah. I'm I'm thinking when we were watching it's like whoa could kids watch this? <laughs> Why? Well, th- Even though been, we brought our kids, <laughs> it, it would have been potentially my only criticism. Um, yeah, to me, it's a nine and a half out of ten. You guys know I'm pretty strict at sort of critiquing films. Um, my only criticism is I want something darker, more graphic. Like a Frank Miller-esque, you know, Batman is pretty ruthless as far as content and subject matter go as a comic, but they've never really scratched the surface. The only film that's done a restricted comic film is Deadpool. Batman's got the potential. Watchmen, too. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix Joker, and that's it. Oh, Joker, too. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, I think that's... I, I know usually the rating system sort of goes on sort of the idea of, you know, depending on more what's being done in the film. So, you know, the Joker was smoking, which is now, you know, part of their criteria for assessing how how to rate the film, which is stupid. Um, if you're doing something that's over 18, it impacts on how they rate the film. Um, the Joker is pretty violent, though. Uh, to me, the Joker is more violent than the Batman. Well, well yeah, it was. It's not meant for kids. It's for, for actually. Adults. Yeah, Colin Farrell for this movie ins- insisted that the uh, penguin smokes. How else would he get that voice? The character has always had those like super long cigarello things with the penile extension, whatever the fuck that <laughs> thing is on the cigarette. Um, he's notorious for it. Every incarnation in the comics, he's always had that thing. 
the 1930s cigarette thing. I don't know what the hell you call that sort of yeah. flute thing. Stender? <laughs> no. Yeah, I guess you don't get your fingers on it, right? And it filters through or whatever. Um, but yeah, it'd be kind of silly for him not to. It's part of the character. But yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, the music, uh, other than like, if you sort of look at the history of the Batman films, there was nuances of Danny Elfman's music creeping in there. Uh, I, I listened to the score. Thank you, YouTube, wherever you are in the universe. I, I listened to the score the next day, and I was like, yes, cowbell. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. There was, there was finally some cowbell, and I didn't hear it when I was in the theater, but I heard it in some of the tracks online. Um, it does, it's ominous. To me, it's reminiscent of uh, the Imperial March. Yeah, so when you told music. me that. I, I totally heard it. Yeah, and that's just like, yeah. But and uh, I had a friend of mine ask me, "What was your favorite part?" And I love the scene where he's fighting, and it's a complete dark alleyway, and the only way you sort of spot him is with the gun flashing going off. Oh yeah, it's in the uh, the iceberg lounge. Yeah, but I, I think in terms of atmosphere and feeling and pins and needles, I think you said it best is the Batmobile. That's beautiful. Beautiful scene. That, that, that whole sequence, like I'm thinking about it now, I'm getting pins and pins and needles all over. That, that to me was beautiful cinema. It's a perfect combination of great, great music, great camera work. That bat, that new Batmobile is beautiful. I love, I love that muscle car. I, I think it's probably, my favorite next to 89. Uh, the, the, uh, the Tim Burton one? Yeah. And then and then the 66. Closer to the 66, I guess. That car. Yeah, because the 66 was what? Like a Mustang sort of variant or something? I don't know. A yeah, T-Bird so. or something? Like a, an amalgamation of two, two vehicles put together? I think so. It's a series I need to revisit. I watched it as a kid, and obviously as a kid, I don't necessarily pick on the particulars as one would pick up as an adult. And all I remember is the sock, wham, bow, bash, you know, that's what I take the most from it. But apparently, it's, you know, the personification of some of those characters are, are quite iconic. So I've never... And it says here the iconic television Batmobile was a superficially modified concept car, the decade-old Lincoln Futura, owned by auto customizer George Barris, whose shop did the work. So, yeah, but that scene is, is really beautiful and, and very complicated because it's shot in the dark, shot in the rain, and you can still figure out the action which was the most impressive thing about it. It's raining all the time. It's raining. It's always dark. It's the most, it's, it's, it's gotta be the darkest movie. I don't think there's any scenes, maybe three, four daylight scenes. For the, only time, the only time it was daylight is when he wasn't Batman. The only time I think there, there might've been dusk or daylight sometimes when he's on the, the, I wouldn't know what you call it, sort of, I guess, the penthouse or whatever that open, that open expanse is on the hotel or the apartment building where they're shooting the, the, the bat signal. Uh, sunrise and sunset on those scenes. Yeah, other, I think other, only that, that part was when I yeah, noticed other, it. But other than that, it's very dark. 
Yeah. Other than the funeral, everything is at night. Yeah, we watched it in IMAX. So, I think the I don't know. Even on the IMAX screens, and is it like uh, it's not very clear. Uh, they're not. They're not the projector. They're not doing a proper job there. Well, you you and I have discussed this in the past, and, and the first time we noticed it was at Kingfish. Uh, sorry, um, um, Big Tim Burton's Big, Big Fish. Fish. Sorry, and that was sort of like an emaciated print on screen. It was like really bleached out, bleached out, blurry, not not crisp. Because so when you watch projected. it at when you watch it at home, and it's very clear, it's sharp, the colors pop out. When you watch it in the theaters, it's Muddy. Is is that for resolution purposes the smaller file? Because they're all projecting digital now. They're not using Yeah, it's all digital too. So I don't know why it should look like that. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe they it's just press like, play and they don't adjust it. I think you still have to adjust the, the projector some. Yeah, because because you know, like even when you're taking conventional photography, when you're developing something, you're always traditionally supposed to have like a gray card, and that determines determines the tone of the film that's been done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can only assume that applies to digital because everyone sort of has their own sort of color cast that they want for a film. But yeah, I, I didn't see it in IMAX. I didn't get the chance because all the tickets were sold out, and I sort of wanted a last minute thing. But yeah, it was again. It was a very emaciated print it was the colors felt thin yeah and and, and, and to your point I, I don't know if it's because it's being projected on the big screen and maybe when they release it for home use that is the print we get and because it's on a smaller screen the colors are more compact or something i i, I don't know how that works but yeah i don't know it's a, it's a couple of times i've noticed that yeah. maybe it's just that we're used to watching it on on tv now and the tv quality is far greater than you know watching it in the cinema yeah i'm hearing you when things are shrunk down things look better right in in, in that context like a painting will look better a photograph will look better and i'm assuming that would apply to a moving image as well um but yeah i i've been disappointed a couple times in the theater the last few viewings it's like yeah what the hell's going on um yeah, for for something that's everything's shot digitally, it shouldn't be shouldn't look like that. Yeah, there shouldn't be an excuse. No. Well, the, the the magic question is, what's your take on Patterson? My apologies, my watch just went ding. Uh, what's your take on Patterson as as a Batman? Like, how does he rate compared to like the the Christian Bale's and Michael Keaton's? I was just gonna ask that. Uh, <laughs> As a Batman, I, I really want to watch this again. I think he's got to be, I don't know, you know, as Batman, playing Batman, because him playing Bruce Wayne, kind of boring. He's kind of the same character in the costume and, and without the costume. I mean, he's fighting, he's, it's his first two years of fighting crime, right? It's No, it's two uh, years yeah, after four fighting. Four years. No, two I years. Think. I think it's two years. This is his second year fighting crime. I believe he's, he's a young punk still, so, right? Yeah, he's, he's still what, young. Twenty nine. He's, he's still grieving, so it makes sense. He doesn't know how to adjust. He doesn't know how to play the dual identity. Yeah, is that why he's a bit emo because he's still yeah, grieving? I think so. I think so, right? Because uh, I don't know if you want to get into spoilers. Well, let's try not to get into spoilers at the beginning, but 
um, yeah, there's just there's a couple of scenes with him and Alfred that kind of suggest that he's still he's still in pain. Yeah, it's also yeah. like a transition. Like this is just the first movie, and like we all know this is going to be a trilogy. So they're they're kind of preparing him for for the next sequel, and obviously they're going to have more of the Bruce Wayne on the sequels. I think. And percentage wise, this has to be the most. Batman in any Batman film. I think so. Yet. There's gotta be that's it has to be ninety percent of Batman on the screen. He's on he's in it every scene. Yeah, there's very little time where other and, characters are interacting without him somehow coming into the scene. Yeah, in the costume too. Doesn't yeah. take it off. And that's well, what I love about this Batman. I think that more, more than anything, that's the main reason why I love this movie more than the other ones. Um uh, it's kind of but it's like, definitely up there for, it'll be definitely up there for me you have to let it grow on you like the first christian bale the, the christian bale series like the very first one it took a while i think for people to adjust to i mean mm -hmm. just like with any other series you know with the, the new superman like everybody's going to criticize the first film but then once the second and third one comes out they're like okay we get it we like it. Well, so, he's sort of have to look at it sort of like a Shakespearean play in the sense that the opening act always sets the scene for usually what ends up being the second act, which is usually the most complicated. And then usually the climax occurs at the end of the second act, and then the third act comes in, and you have the denouement, you have the, you know, usually the second one is, you know, it, look at one of the greatest trilogies of all time if you look at the star wars trilogy the first one the second film you know arguably still the best one and it's because it became so complicated so uh, what's the word i'm looking for um intriguing because it just opened up the floodgates between all the characters and the dynamics between them all the second Batman installment should and hopefully do the same. And, and it's left it open in terms of the Penguin. Um, this is a bit of a spoiler. I'm not certain exactly who that was in the Mental Institute next to... It's Joker. I actually thought it might have been Two-Face, to be honest no. with you. No, he's laughing like a hyena in that scene. It's Joker. Because yeah, when you sort of on that angle and you see the left side of his face, especially down here, it's all that's mutilated. That's so funny because yeah, that's what they the draw him like said. that. They draw him like that too. Yeah. Yeah, they draw him all like with bubbly faces and stuff like that. So I think they're going to that that direction, that, that type of uh, disfigured Joker. I, I know based on how he was talking and what he was saying to the Riddler it's it's more the joker but i guess just the way he looked i'm kind of used to two-face how he was done in the uh what's his name the christian bale saga yeah. um i think that's know. one of my uh least favorite things in that movie i don't think it was necessary to put him in two-face not yet no joker uh, it, it's it's um we have about 10 jokers active right now well there's there's a premature ejaculation factor by putting in the Joker that fast. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, it's a selling card for the Batman series. I, I always heard there was talk about having 
Mr. Freeze, Dr. Freeze in the second one. They're sort of hoping to rekindle that character. Which is awesome. They should. Because that, that would be great. Mr. Like Freeze is one of the, my favorite villains. Yeah. I, I, I know Spider-Man villains are some great ones that they haven't touched. Um, you and I were talking earlier about the Vulture. You know, and then there's was the, the Hunter or whatever. He was great. Craven uh, the Hunter. Electro they brought in, but I'm sorry, I didn't like their take on Electro that much in the Spider-Man universe. Um, uh, yeah, um, I'd like to see them sort of tap in a villain, you know, that hasn't really been sort of touched upon in the Batman universe that, you know, I, I don't know them well enough. Yeah, uh, so he, what they're going to do is uh, uh, HBO Max is going to, have uh, a couple of shows that uh, fit into the world with fits into the uh, the Batman universe Patterson's sure Batman universe so they're doing um JCPD okay. so Gotham City Police Department which is an awesome comic book series so they're going to do that and they're apparently doing a penguin book uh penguin TV show are they going to sort of do what they did with the second to last Star Wars trilogy where they had, you know, they obviously had um, the Phantom Menace and then you had to watch the, the Clone Wars cartoon to sort of understand what was happening in Attack of the Clones? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I, I don't mind that. That's a cool idea. Yeah. And they'll probably they'll probably flesh out like Joker and a whole bunch of other uh, villains. Okay. I think what they're going to do at the end of part three, which it looks like it seems like it's going that direction, is uh, doing the Arkham Asylum video games. Yeah, because those are pretty popular. Yeah, which they haven't. I think they're they're dying to do that. So that would be that would be neat. And going back to Patterson, he's thirty five already. So I guess he was. Doesn't look it though, man. He's he's got that. You know. I didn't think he was that old. He's yeah. got the 300 days of rain in England forecast. He's not going to age. <laughs> yeah, he looks... I thought he was in his 20s still, but he's already 35. No. Um, so the time they like make the TV the shows... Well, he, he's older. Um, when he was in Harry Potter, he was already older than the other kids. You throw some glimmer on him like in Twilight, <laughs> you'll never fucking age. Yeah. You've seen those memes with the... Uh, with the Twitter slash Batman. I haven't great. seen them, but those sound fucking good. Yeah, they're funny. I haven't seen them. Yeah, they're pretty funny. No, I think he's good. Like, he's a good actor, like, in general. Like, I don't... Well, except for Twilight. I mean, we've seen him in other movies, and he's, he's really good at it. Um, That that one with Willem well, Dafoe. Yeah, Lighthouse. Oh Lighthouse. Lighthouse is great. Good. And Good Time, if you haven't seen Good Time. I haven't seen Good Time. That's, Light, that's, Light, Lighthouse to me was a trippy film. Oh yeah, it's super, it's yeah. super trippy. Um, but Good Time is even better. Good, good Time is an amazing, amazing movie. One of the best movies I saw that year. You, you can't, you can't put Twilight as a means of acting assessment because that that film is just nothing but you know limp dick hysteria. Like, sorry, <laughs> I, 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 I no, I, I refuse to watch those films. But um, yeah, in, ter in terms of the lighthouse, uh, that performance blew me away because here, Willem Dafoe, who to me is underrated as an actor, 
or one of my favorites. I would say underrated, underrated, underappreciated. Yeah. As far as American actors go, he is stellar in that film. And the only way to be noticed on the screen next to Willem Dafoe is to have someone with equal merit against him on the screen. And Patterson is up to snuff. Yeah, he, he blew me away in that film. As yeah. if, if, if anyone listening to this podcast, if they haven't seen that film, you, you owe it to yourself to see that film because uh, it's it's American surrealism, which uh, you don't often see on the big screen. Yeah. yeah, it's like the cinematography is amazing too. And it has to be good because there's only two of them in that movie. So if one of them sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's just, Willem Dafoe was such a strong house in that film. If, if, if uh, what's his name sucks, yeah have you seen yeah, florida yeah. project yeah that's a good movie yeah i will willem dufault i i quite like that guy and i, and I tell him. you i tell you what he's forgotten about him and he's great is john wick oh yeah oh yeah 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 he helps, you forget uh, he's helps in him that. out yeah me too i always forget he's in everything he's he's like <laughs> the white samuel jackson <laughs> yeah He's yeah, also an Aquaman. Yeah, he's an Aquaman too. I forgot. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Just you know, he's steadfast. I mean, he's. I, I I've said this before on the podcast. Hollywood suffers hardcore from ageism because obviously the greatest amount of money at, at someone's disposal is in their teenage years, so they wanted to target teenagers for you know box office success. But it's nice to see the older guys kicking some ass, doing some great performances on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And Willem Dafoe is one of those guys. Well, he was he was pretty damn good in Spider-Man. Yeah. No, I was uh, no Way Home. Yeah. Yeah, he's damn he, good. In it. He's, he, repri- he's he reprised the Goblin and he was one of yeah. the best things about it. Yeah, he, he's almost sort of a remorseful, sad Goblin, but he's still nuts though too. Mm-hmm. By, bipolar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's so yeah. good at that. You know, to mm-hmm. just transition so quick. Well, he's, he's not your typical Hollywood actor. He's he's not necessarily a beautiful guy. No. Well, that's but, the thing, right? He can play a real scumbag, a real disgusting person. And then he, the next be a very sweet person. Yeah, and his face shows it. His face can easily show both sides. I, I need to see that Van Gogh film that he was in. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that either. I should watch that. Oh yeah, yeah he's uh, he, he'd be up there as the one of the better American actors out there at the moment. Well, yeah. The, uh, who was in Jimmy Kimmel? Um, Pattinson was in Jimmy Kimmel. Was it Jimmy Kimmel or some other show? Know, some anyway, show. he was mentioning, "Oh, what's happening? You're like you're a British guy who's playing Batman. Uh, Spider Man is also British. Um, who else? Oh, Superman as well. So all of these guys are not American." <laughs> But Christian they are playing Bale. American. Christian oh, so Bale's is Christian Bale, yeah. Yep, Christian Bale. Um, everyone else prior to Christian Bale was American, I believe. I just think they're better actors. They're more diverse. Yeah. And, and you know, I, there, there's something more humbling when you get someone who isn't necessarily Hollywood perfect presenting these characters. Like Batman, 
if you look at Batman as a person, he's extremely damaged goods. Mm-hmm. You know, parent he sees his parents killed in front of him. He's orphaned. You know, he, he's he's raised by a butler, all alone in a mansion, all to himself. You know, he's he's bound to be damaged. He's he's got to be socially dysfunctional. You know, and. and you get someone who isn't Hollywood perfect. It's sort of, yeah, this guy can sort of bring the pathos of the character to the screen. Mm-hmm. And I find very few American actors can do that. Willem Dafoe would be an exception to that rule because, as I said, he's got one of those faces. It's not Hollywood. It's lined. It's weathered. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a fellow fellow redhead like me. So, you know, I, I appreciate that as well. So... No, it's, uh, I'm curious as to the direction they will take this film. Yeah, what happens next? So I know there is another Superman film coming out, isn't there? Probably. I'm sure there is. There was something in the wind. Yeah, well, Flash is next, if you want to. Yeah, that trailer, they hinted upon that trailer, but I don't know if that guy's which, strong which enough. Keaton is back. Huh? Which Keaton is back as Batman. In that movie. Because you're doing the time travel thing? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that guy is strong enough as an actor to carry his own film. Who the Flash? Oh, guy? the Flash. Yeah. It's he, to know. me, he's, he, he kind of reminds me of Sheldon of Big Bang Theory. <laughs> like Sheldon on his own would not be strong enough to carry his show, but he's great interacting with others, which you find with him in Justice League, with Captain America, sorry, not Captain America, obviously the wrong franchise, with Batman, you got Aquaman, like he's kind of like the guy that tries to fit in, mm. but can't fit in because he is extremely awkward and he's he comes across as extremely fragile and, you know, to carry that a film on his own like that, you're going to need the guys like the Keatons and oh, yeah. other guys throughout history. Like Maybe even Christian Bale might come in. Who knows? But I don't think that guy's strong enough on his own to carry a film. I think that's what they did wrong with the series is they should have just picked the the Flash from the TV show and include and and combine them like what uh, Marvel is doing now. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, smart. Yeah, they... You know, they take the stories and then they throw them on Disney Plus as sort of like, as I sort of said earlier, in terms of like the Clone Wars and stuff. You have all these other stories, you know. Like, look how how cool um, Daredevil, when he popped up in the screen as Spider-Man, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's back. Is that the guy in the TV series? Yes. Yeah, the lawyer in in Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay, because I, I haven't Same seen guy. I, I haven't seen Daredevil and oh I haven't Oh my gosh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's mandatory. I, I only have so much time. You have lots of time. I barely have enough time to wipe my ass. I'm actually we were sad that they stopped doing the shows. I think it's coming back. But I'm glad that they're putting them back. And that's what they should have done with DC. They should have just picked the characters from the TV show to do the movie. It could have been a contractual conflict between Netflix and Warner Brothers, who knows? I'm sure they could pay them off. Well, yeah, there's enough money there for sure. 
So how's the run, how do you feel about the runtime of three hour Batman? You, you know what? I was kind of worried. The last long movie that we, we've all seen, and I've seen numerous times, is Endgame and obviously Infinity War. And those films don't feel as though they're as long as they are. And no, Batman is of the same just. It yeah. does not feel that long. You are you're when you're watching it, and I'm, I hope I'm speaking for others when they see it. You want to see what's next. What are they gonna do? Like it, it's a beautiful looking film. You're not you're not eager to go to the washroom, you know. I, I didn't drink too much before I started to see the film, but you know, <laughs> I, I think I think I would have really squeezed my legs together to not leave my seat. Yeah, I tried. That's what happened. I tried two forty-five. I guess when they uh, it was an important scene, I had to uh, run. I'm like, no, 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 oh, man. I had to. It took a minute. It took a minute, and then ran you, back. Man, you needed to pull out like the beer bottle kind of thing and sort of. I know. You know I know I didn't. And that day around. I drank. <laughs> yeah. There's a full house for the first time. Full house. That would have been nice. It was nice. It's like everybody came back from the snap from Thor's uh, uh, Thanos's snap. <laughs> COVID, COVID free finger snap. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, it felt like a two hour. Uh, felt, this one felt like a two and a half hour. The Marvel uh, Endgame felt like a two-hour movie because it's not as rapid it's not as fast and it's more uh, complicated a story yeah it's a slow it's a slower burn infinity war though you're on the edge of your seat that whole time oh yeah it's and it's not even as doesn't feel as fast as as dark knight either it's a shorter movie but that movie again doesn't feel like a two uh that's what 245 235 I tell, I tell you what was sort of crossing my mind when I was watching the Batman. I don't know if you guys would agree with me or not, but it, it kind of reminded me of Seven. Almost every review said that about the movie, though, that it reminds them of Seven. I, 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 you guys know me well enough. I don't like reading reviews because to me, it's that they're paid off or there's an agenda behind the review. Ever since uh, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, I don't like reviews. Uh, <laughs> Rodney and I had that discussion. No, I don't read it um, before the movie. I read it after I've seen it. Uh, yeah, just to sort of see how wrong or right someone is, I suppose it's the best could, time to do you it. Could, you could tell in the trailer that's David Fincher-esque there. Yeah, it's got that feel. Even the music, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. the, the music is very sort of atmospheric and mood-driven. I tell you, the, given that the guy is Italian, you get those sort of, you know, Italian zombie films of the late 60s and 70s. They're heavily entrenched with jazz. Mm -hmm. And you don't think of, you don't associate jazz with zombie films, but most of, it's almost kind of like a lighthearted music in some contexts, those, those zombie films. They don't gel with it. But yeah, there is nuances of that coming through on that score, um, especially sort of at the lower sort of, you know, when he's sort of talking there with the, uh, Alfred in the hospital. Uh, it's just like, you know, I don't know, lonely, lonely man theme for Batman, but done <laughs> sort of like an Italian sort of zombie genre sort of score. Yeah. 
What do you think of Andy Circus as Alfred? He's all right. He's, he's, he's right. good. That's one of those characters I'd like to sort of know more about. Again, I know there was the Pennyworth series. I never got to watch it. I wanted to. But the history of that character is always something that's intrigued me, and I'd like to know what they do with it, uh, and especially with uh, Michael Kine, uh when, when he did it. And they sort of touched upon some of the stuff he did when he was a younger man. I'll fail uh, <laughs> you know, just watch the fire. Just watch the Earth burn. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Circus is one of those guys, as I said earlier, in terms of ageism. He's an older guy getting it done. Yeah, I, I like him on there. I like him. He's got even, some. He's even got some hours, Yeah, even at three hours, he still didn't. He was in it for not long. Not only a few minutes. Yeah. He's in there about maybe three or four scenes. So, so even then, you can't cram a, an Alfred backstory. You guys know the story of Alfred better than I do. Is Batman ever used him as sort of like a Robin S character at some point? Yeah, in the '60s show, they used him quite a bit, and in the animated series too. It was a. Uh, well, this movie helped. actually actually insinuates that Alfred trained him. Yeah, in some capacity. Yeah, I, I raised you, I reared you, or whatever. When you were sort of talking about it, yeah. Like he trained him to fight. You know, he learned everything from him. Yeah, so he's he's like a British gorilla or something, or based on his history or something. Yeah, even in the Michael Caine version too, he said he was fighting in the war or something. He was in the military. Well, you went on you went on that safari with eyes the, of a tangerine, looking for that guy who's you know selling off rubies and stuff for whatever, mm -hmm. and he you know size of oranges, tangerine. Size of a tangerine. Size of a tangerine. The size of a tangerine. Yeah. The movie will grow on me. I'm still, I don't know what I feel about it. I mean, I know it's good, but I'm not giving it like, you know, five stars, like, because I, it's not. I am. Um, I still feel like Christian Bale's first Batman movie is the best Batman movie. Just Whoa. because. I do too. That, that, that's bold. I think so too. Yeah, it's just very well, well told. The writing, uh, the pacing, the editing of the movie, everything about it is just so good. Like, you don't even think about anything wrong with it. Not to me, anyway. That thing is, you know, in spite of how good that film can be recognized, it's always going to be in the shadow of Heath Ledger and, you know, The Dark Knight. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, it will be. Dark Knight uh, for everyone is even Dark Knight Rises. The amount of people that love Dark Knight Rises. No, I think that's the weakest of the three. I think so too. I think so too. But a lot of people love that movie. I'll still watch it. I think it's a great movie. It's well done. Oh, it it seems a bit drawn on. No, I th you see that's. Uh, I think the main problem with that movie is, well, despite some of the the plot holes and even at almost three hours too, that movie was almost three hours. You still just. Not enough Batman, and I think they kind of chickened out. I think they, I think he should have been killed off at the end. After well, the comic yeah, bomb scene, everyone everyone thinks he is killed off, right? Except Michael Caine, right. you know, Alfred, Catwoman, yeah. and I guess the usual chick that was going to bring him the espresso every time he's at that bar. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he, I think he's alive in that ending. I don't think they killed him off. No, because they show the scene later on in that Italian 
or the French Riviera, or whatever the Italian places where they're at, and Michael Caine's there on holiday. He sees him with the Catwoman having uh, espresso. Yeah, yeah. But some people, no, no, that's what I mean. But some people think he he died. Uh, that's why he fixed like, the autopilot so he could get out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think he'd still survive that. I'd fall in the water. You think so? Yeah, he's you know he's probably got that anti shark repellent that he had <laughs> in, the, in the TV series. You know, jumps in the water and he's safe. Yeah. Well, if Dexter could survive the storm, Batman could survive. So, what, what would you give? What would you guys give? You don't want to give it five out of five, Aileen. Rodney, you want to give it ten no. out of ten? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'll give it five out of five. I'm, like, I'm just not sure where it's gonna fall in the series of movies. I I say top three, def, or that's four because I I say Batman Begins, Dark Knight, this movie, the Batman. Top five. Let me. Uh, all right. Let me just do the top five. Let me, hold on a second. Five. Well, there's only like seven movies, man. <laughs> Eighty-nine. Batman. Dark Knight. Batman Begins. The Batman and Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Those are, uh, I think, the top five for me. That last one, a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of the cartoons. So I, I think Batman and then the Batman, the new one just now, and. Batman Begins, or I have to battle it out for for first. I'm not sure yet. Did you miss the glass? Did you? Just... <laughs> I was, was going to give the listeners a warning. I'm not going pee. I'm pouring tea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a very big fan of pacing, so that's why I like this movie a lot because it's very well done, and I'm a fan of Planet of the Apes. Um, but yeah, Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves directed the last two Planet of the Apes movies, right? Okay, okay. I was, I was really thinking, hold, hold on a second. How far back are you going? <laughs> have you seen the movies. new ones, Planet yeah. of the Apes? They're great. I've seen, I've seen them all. I only have one small criticism of the last film. It doesn't make sense where they ended up. I can't remember. So they're in... If I'm not mistaken, they were in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did they get to New York? They were walking. By train? That's a hell of a walk. 5,000 kilometers to get the to monkey. New York. They're apes. They're, they're going through, you know, the Forbidden Zone, all these places. Yeah. Like, how the fuck did they end up, you know... You know, what's his name? Uh, Caesar? Chuck, Chuck Heston's character finds the Statue of Liberty. There's no fucking way that ends up on the other side of the of the continent. Doesn't so Caesar die? Like, no, wait. Caesar dies, right? So Caesar how does it die, Caesar, what happens Caesar dies. Caesar's offspring is meant to be the next incarnation of what we see in Planet of the Apes. Is, it, is that what they said? Based on the timeline. How the fuck do they get from extreme west coast all the way to the east coast? Well, they don't have. You need a three-hour movie of them walking. The yeah, Lord I mean, of the Apes? they don't have to explain to you the timeline. Do you want a Lord, right? Lord of the Apes uh, three-hour epic? Uh, get some going across the states. Uh, I don't. I don't know. To me, it was just sort of weird how they got there. Like they're, well, they're ultra yeah. smart. They can. They're talking fucking. I mean, apes. that's what I mean. Like with Batman Begins, like. 
It's you don't problem. need any explanation of, of the time passing because you get that, you know, you don't you need don't, an explanation. You got to be careful there, though, Eileen, because any film dealt within what's meant to be sequential with our own time, you have to explain it. Otherwise, it, no, it doesn't make sense. No, I don't sense. think it's necessary. The, the, only, the only franchise that you don't need to explain in terms of some sort of sequence within our own time is the Star Wars universe because it, they even say at the beginning of every scrawl, long time a long ago. time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So that could be millions of years ago. That's got nothing to do with our own space-time continuum. Once it once it deals with what we're dealing with in terms of our own timeline, you have to explain it. Otherwise, you'd be like, how the fuck does that make sense? So what, the original 66 Apes takes place in the year 2000s? No. No. Uh, no, so, no. It, it, if then, I remember correctly. You can, no. can be a little flexible. No, there was so. I so that doesn't make sense. Watch the beginning. There's something to do with the chronometer, chronometer or whatever it is in the spaceship. It, it's something to do with like 70 years or something in the future. I don't know. Maybe they just do they show them going to the to the states at uh, to New York at the end. I don't so remember. Then he finds the Statue of Liberty in, in the fucking sand. You're not talking about the original, right? You're talking about the new ones. Talking about the original, which was no, 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 no. But that, that's just it. The last film that was done on there with uh, what's his name here is Woody Harrelson. Mm. That is the prequel to the Rod Serling Planet of the Apes that we know. Right. And you're looking at not too far down the distant line from that last movie. We don't know Jack that. Heston. It has to be. We don't years. know that they they change things all the time. Like they've changed characters and like stories with Batman. How Tim Burton has changed and altered the characters and his Batman. I mean, you 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 know, but you're talking no, characters. Stories. You're talking characters within a comic, and Gotham is is meant to be sort of like a hybrid of London, New York, basically those two cities, but. It's a it's a fantasy extension of our own time. We're sort of talking about the chronological time factor within the Planet of the Apes universe. It there has to be a, like a not seamless, but there has to be a, a relatively smooth line of transition between that last film and where Chuck Heston comes in. So it's supposed to be. So, so this it, is supposed man. to be a prequel of that. Well, they, they kind of do because in the very first one of those films with what's his name. Uh, 120, 112 days that when he's stuck in that canyon or whatever, and he bites off his own arm to get out of the, the, the hole. Um, they show the newspaper clipping right at the end of that film. Astronauts have gone missing. Okay, so well, it, I'll have to rewatch it. You have to, that, that's why that, that first one was pure genius because it ties in beautifully as to what was transpiring. So yeah, you can sort of gauge roughly the time frame. So chronologically, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War of the Planet of the Apes, and then goes to the Planet of the Apes, 68 original, Beneath yeah. the Planet of the Apes, Escape the Planets, Conquest, and Battle. Yeah. So they didn't show. No, nah, man. Within you, don't, you don't know the timeline between, uh, uh, what is it, the last new movie? 
You, you between, get a rough idea that it's anywhere from like or, 50 to 80 years. So between War of the Planet of the Apes and the original Planet of the Apes, you, you don't know the timeline. Because you kind of do, because Caesar's offspring is what's his name? Amadeus? <laughs> oh, no. The, the scientist that fucking befriends... Dr. Zayas? No, not Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. <laughs> what's uh, his name? Fucking Fright Night. John. Stamos. No, fucker. Who, who do you... What's his name? He ends up... And, and which one? Chuck Haskin version. The actor? The actor, John... Not John Gilgood, John... Elephant Man. John Hurd is not in... No, but who's the guy that plays the main ape? He's also in Friday like Night. Cornelius? Yes. Oh, Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell. I need to go back and watch those films, but I'm pretty certain... The ape that's born at the end of that film is Cornelius. Cornelius. Yeah. So you're not looking at that much of a time difference because Cornelius is like in his twenties or whatever by the time Chuck lands. So you can twenty years you'll have time to go from 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 uh, uh, (laughs) California to to the fucking New York. It's a tough pill to swallow that they fucking travel. It's a tough pill to swallow. They're fucking talking. There's time in 20 years. They're fucking talking and riding on horses. What's your fucking problem? (laughs) Hey, we evolved from that. Yeah, they're super smart now. So, like, you don't know. They've taken over the planet. I don't know. It it just seemed too sudden. No. From that ending. I think. Well, you know what? You know what? What we need to do? We need to watch every fucking Planet of the Apes film. I have to do it. Let's do it. I'm down for that. Yeah, I'm down. I'm not really a fan, but yes. I'm only a fan of the new ones. Stay out of this. Actually, I need to see the sequels, the original sequels. I don't watch them. I I always watch the first one and I think the second one and then I just stop. Beneath the Planet of the Apes is damn fucking creepy. It's extremely creepy. Well, yeah, we'll make that happen. Let's Um, make that happen. And what's her name? Nova is still in it, who to me is one of the top five chicks of all time. That chick mm-hmm. is stunning. But yeah, it's kind of weird what happens with Chuck Heston in that Linda film. Linda Harrison. Oh. Linda Harrison. Yeah, yeah stunning. Yeah, it, it's definitely the creepiest. And the guy who plays Bond villain, he's the leader of the, the people that worship the nuclear bomb. Hmm. Can't remember his name. I need to rewatch those definitely. So I, I'd be down for that. Well, going back to Batman. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think of um, Catwoman? Well, uh, I tell you what. If I had to deal with that Catwoman, my bat suit would have fucking exploded. <laughs> She's pretty sweet. Well, uh, I think she did the job. Like as sexy as Michelle Pfeiffer is. And uh, what's her name too? Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Uh, Anne Hathaway. To me, is she's the most like the original comic. Mm-hmm. But um, jeez. Oh, yeah, that was that was torture. I, I I would have had the bat signal obviously in my pants. 
Yeah. Tight leather. <laughs> Tight leather pants. Yeah. yeah. She's actually kind of unusual looking, to be honest with you. You know, that that's uh, Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz's daughter, right? Yeah, she's unusual looking, Zoe Kravitz. She looks like her mom. She looks like her mom. And I had a mad crush on her mom in the Cosby days. Oh, man. So did Cosby. <laughs> 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 no wonder she wanted to leave that house, sir. She was the first one to leave that show. It was indeed. Yeah. If you wonder. Yeah, she was good. I really liked her as Catwoman. Actually, she's she's fitted for that role more than any of the other ones, I think. I think Anne Hathaway was the most accurate Catwoman of any of the movies. But uh, so it comes a very close second. She was pretty good too. She was actually more of a, a less of a villain. Actually, that's the other thing we I guess we have to talk about. The villains are not very villainy in this. And this is we're going to get into spoiler alerts. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, we're going to spoil the shit out of this now. Well, no, because the the thing with your internet connection is unstable. Sorry, yeah, you you broke up there a little bit. Okay. Um, oh. Major spoiler uh, if you uh, haven't seen it, we have to get into the villains. Well, because so, you got to appreciate in the film that most of the crimes that occurred happened even before the Batman. So it, it was all sort of retrospect, other than what the, the Riddler did. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the reason for what the Riddler did happened long before the Batman actually came into the equation. Which is kind of interesting. It's what that what this film does probably is as good as Aileen like in the, the first Batman with Christian Bale. It does a great back history of the politics and dirtiness of what Gotham was. Yeah. And you don't really get into that in any of the other series except Christian Bale's first one with uh, what's his name? Uh, Rutger Hauer. Yeah, and um, what's his name? Irish dude, Raza Gould. Mm. Not that he's Irish, but what's his name? Played him. Um, Liam Neeson. Yeah, I, he really got into it. And back to sort of Catwoman, you get, other than Michelle Pfeiffer's character, which is sort of t- touched upon, but is sort of almost cartoony She's as opposed to comic. She actually acts like a cat in that movie. Yeah. So- licking herself and... <laughs> Yeah, Zoe Kravitz sort of lends a greater personification of the character. Yeah. If you throw a cat out on the street, they're going to fucking survive. Right. And she's exactly like that. Michelle Pfeiffer made me feel a little funny back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you were saying not villainy. What are people saying? Why Why are the villains not so villainy? Well, it's a different it's a different spin because because he's normally the riddler is doing riddler things and acting like a villain and this one his crimes he's all targeting po- uh, corrupt uh, uh, politicians and cops yeah he, he's so they're crimes, all bad his crimes are an aftermath of the reason why he's committing the crimes his yeah. his crimes are in response to the first crime that brings everyone together yeah and, I, and for the sake of ruining the film, I'm not going to mention what it is because that's a major plot factor to the film. Um, but yeah, the, it's almost like the crime that created the Riddler 
was the real crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, that's what I liked about this is because it also he created has Batman actually... as well, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, he doesn't have to act like he doesn't have to rob banks, so it's not about the money. You actually feel sorry for him in a way because he's, yeah, he's like a product of everything else that, that took place. Product of a corrupt system. Well, you know, as, as long as we don't look at it in the sense of, you know, Leatherface is the reason, reason why Leatherface is Leatherface is because he had leprosy and that's why he had to rip off people's skin in order to make a mask. You, you don't want to sort of downplay the significance of what the Riddler did because he, he himself was a victim. You know, he's fucked up. Well, he is fucked up for sure. Yeah. So, There's something wrong with him, but that made him... That made everything even worse because of, of everything that's happened to him, right? Yeah. I, once you start sort of justifying why someone does something, it sort of downplays the significance of what they've done. Yeah. So sometimes he, it's actually the downfall of a lot of horror movies. Yeah. A lot of yeah. movies in period. I'd rather sometimes just don't don't explain it to me. Don't yeah. don't use the last 20 minutes explaining. It just why they're like that. Yeah, why it's yeah. usually stupid or the same thing over and over again. I, I I'd I rather not try to rational, I don't want to rationalize my fear. Right? Yeah. You know, don't don't soft cock the story. No. And a lot of times it, it movies get ruined because of that. Yeah. Yeah, but that that's what they did with this towards yeah, the end. Did you it. know? They kind of did it. They kind they kind of did. They, 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 you know. And then he does something that actually was fucked up. And then he actually did something bad that is like, okay, now I guess now he's a villain. So now we, now we can put him in. But Catwoman is not a villain in this at all. She's helping her friend and she's... She's, well, she kind of she's, she's a cat burglar, right? That's yeah, she's a cat burglar. But we never see her rob anything except for what she, she was did. trying to do to help her. But she's helping her, her friend. Yeah, she's trying, she's trying to get back at her dad. So we haven't really seen her do anything messed up. You can see the potential when she's interrogating someone. She's more of a vigilante in the film yeah. than Batman. Yeah, yeah. So it pops out. So I think even at three hours, like again, three hours, it doesn't even flesh out these characters to the max. They give you hints and stuff. So hopefully they come back and see full. And you could tell that he's new at being Batman because normally Batman would be the one kissing the girl, but she's the one that kissed him. You know what I'm I wish I got that treatment from him. <laughs> yeah. No, John Turturro is uh, Carmine Falcone. He's playing a gangster. Yeah, it's uh, he's a good actor. I'm sorry. I thought Transformers was probably the worst use of that guy. That's the worst fucking character I've seen on the screen in the last 20 years, other than the, the Abrams raping of Star Trek and Star Wars. But that's a, that's an actor that I love watching no matter what he's in. He's got great screen presence. And he's, he's another one, right? He's, he's another like a default. Uh, yeah, but uh, after Transformers, my... I got pissed off. Nah. That to me is the worst fucking use of an actor I've ever seen. But yeah, he's, he's, he's... all make shit movies, man. They're all... Yeah, I suppose even what's his name. Uh, Anthony Hopkins did it as well. But um. Yeah, he's quite good at it. I, I still think probably the best guy in terms of what they've done was Colin Farrell. Oh yeah. So that's you don't even I'm, know it's him. You don't. You can't see anything. 
any he, trace he, of he does a good accent. He, put, he puts on a good voice and he's pretty fucking evil as the penguin yeah i liked him he's awesome yeah, he's awesome in penguin dude stole yeah, the show I, I heard that casting i'm like what the fuck that's him mm-hmm. me too like, i was like him is yeah at the beginning we didn't know what he looked like and he's like oh colin farrell's penguin all right They're doing something different but no they just piled the makeup on him he looks amazing and that makeup is beautiful he, he looks he looks real I kind of like the fact that they've made the characters less comic. So they, they've, they've gotten a, a nickname because of some sort of subtle disfigurement or, yeah. you know, impairment or whatever. He's got a, he's got like a bad hip or something. Mm-hmm. He sort of waddles. He's, I don't know, he's got <laughs> arthritis in the hip or something. Mm-hmm. And then he's got that lisp, which sort of gives him the sort of when he talks. So, or what do you call it? The cleft palate. Yeah. It's either cleft palate or he's got into a bad fight or something. So. so he's not really meant to be a penguin. It's only in the Tim Burton movies that he actually made these <laughs> yeah, characters. Tim Burton <laughs> like literally, real literally makes them. Well, I, well, what's his name in the original show with, uh, you know, the Batman television show mm-hmm. with the cigarette, the top mm-hmm. hat, everything else? Man, that, that, that guy fucking deserved to be on a planter's peanut box. Like, he was like, <laughs> pretty penguiny yeah yeah it's it it it, it gives a more tangible feel to the films if the characters are more human and and that's what this film has done but at the same time like they got a lot of the stuff right like the iceberg lounge like throughout the last couple of decades i don't know how, how old the iceberg lounge is but is that in the comics yeah it's in the comics like there's a lot of stuff in that uh, in that movie. They're direct from the comics. You've read the comics. I never have. Uh, so that so it's very much a Batman movie. Even though they try to ground it as much as possible, it still feels more Batman than than a lot of the movies that uh, that passed. Yeah, and again, like the main thing is having ninety percent Batman on the screen is just beautiful. Having him fight and become a detective and investigate oh he's the he's the super sleuth right yeah yeah i'll, I'll go see it again i'll go see it at a point where no one's in the theater because there's a dickhead behind me taking photos maybe kingsway taking kingsway photos it. the kings yeah he pulled out his cell phone i'm getting flashed some dickhead to my left answered their fucking phone it's like <laughs> do you, like, do you, like do people not realize you know we've waited two years to really Go like have a calling back to the movie theater. No, nobody cares. And, and the fucking ignoramuses. General audience, this is how they are, man. Just there for the. Just for going the out. Just to go out, right? I taking up oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I think we're all in agreement. Uh, Aileen didn't like. <laughs> I liked it. I it still has to grow on me. Yeah. Just like. Yeah. But you know how I feel about um, the Christian Bale one, Batman Begins, is, you know, when you watch a movie and you know what's going to happen and the next scene, like, you know it in your mind and you already memorized it. That's how I feel when I watch it. Yeah, Batman Begins has probably the best Batman ending of it, of any movie, of any of the Batman movies. 
when they flashed the card. That was exciting. Everybody lost their minds. Everybody lost their shit when they saw that Joker card at the end of Batman Begins. It's a great sort of cliffhanger there. You know what's the, coming. And you, you knew everybody was like, oh, shit. And that just hyped it up right from the get-go. And that's why Dark Knight makes a billion dollars. And then Heath Ledger's death added to that, unfortunately. But I think there was a bit of a draw card based on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, because everyone was like, "What? Heath Ledger?" It's like all these, all these casting. It's never, it's never. No one's ever excited about who they cast. Robert Patterson. Everybody shit on him because he's Twilight Sparkly guy. But I, no, but I, you know what? I, I, I knew I'm right from the get go. Lighthouse. I thought he'd be a good pick. Oh yeah, I right away. I thought he was a great pick. The, the only person I always thought was a terrible pick was. Um, uh, ben Affleck? No, um, no, I I didn't mind Ben Affleck. To me, Ben Affleck. To me, I love his Bruce Wayne. To yeah, me, he's well, a great Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He would have been um, a great Batman if we just gotten a, a solo movie. You know, he was supposed to be in this he, movie. He's just playing himself, though. He was this <laughs> movie. This was supposed to be his solo movie, and then they just scrapped it and just made it Matt Reeves, the Batman, just reboot different version different universe but he would he got uh, he got screwed from from making his own solo movie and i think he would have probably would have been a great movie i think so now what's his name from uh, top secret cal kilmer val kilmer to me was hands down the worst ever no clooney yeah clooney man. But, clooney. Uh, clooney you don't think clooney is like the worst clooney's the worst come on uh, you're okay with Batman wiggling his head? Wobble. No, but what, you're, what you guys are sort of looking at is the content of the film and what the film has versus the person and their potential to play the character. Val Kilmer, based on looks, totally and utterly the wrong fucking fit. George Clooney, as a middle-aged man, could pull off that role. Michael Keaton man was now. shunned. Michael Keaton was shunned as the first pick for Batman. And I'm sorry, to me, I think facially, and the fact to me, I, I think that's one of the heights of Tim Burton's genius, because Michael Keaton to me does look like Jack Nicholson. There is a similarity in their looks. They, they, they both have that sort of uh, insanity written on their face. And to me, one can't exist without the other so the fact that they look similar to me that to me was genius casting but yeah i don't know uh de- definitely uh top secret was definitely the wrong pick mm, I-, I can never buy george clooney as no, george clooney was pretty bad george clooney was pretty bad uh, you, you gotta blame the director on that one too they're both they're, 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 they're bad films <laughs> yeah well, they're, they're not Batman good Forever film. is okay. It's okay. Is that with Dr. Freeze? No, that's Batman and Robin. Yeah, Batman terrible. Forever is uh, Riddler, Jim Carrey. Robin actually saves that movie. Chris O'Donnell actually did a decent job in that movie. It's weird. What? It's weird because when you think of Joel Schumacher, Joel Schumacher making those movies, I wonder if Warner Brothers saw his previous... Well, because he only worked for Warner Brothers the first few movies that he did. I can see why they picked them, but it just went all 
kid friendly and colorful and bright and trying to sell the product right but when you look at schumacher's previous movies you got flatliners you got falling down you got the lost boys those are all dark movies Lon, why am i thinking that joel schumacher did showgirls no that's paul verhoeven that's right yeah sorry i always get those two guys mixed up verhoeven would have been good as making a batman movie i think he would have been fantastic Mm -hmm. he he would have brought the rated r element that i want in batman world I think we'll get it. Well, I think we'll get to a ba- an R-rated Batman movie. I'm just one day. thinking, like, what if David Lynch directed Batman? David Lynch? Yeah. Hey, well, look, it's super look. weird. Hey, look, he did the Elephant Man, and I tell you what, the way Elephant Man looks—if you had a solely black and white, the black and white in that film, yeah, is beautiful. But that's a screen. I think it would be—he'd do a wicked job. It would be awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Actually, I think he would probably do a good job just because he himself looks like he's from that world. Um, you know, he's always wearing the tie and the cigarettes, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, he oh, could man. be. Look, just look at a racer head. Like that, that. Mm-hmm. Like that, the film is fucked up, but the way it's been shot, between eraser head and elephant, man, you put those two things together and throw that into a Batman universe. You have the right script. It could be. It would have the potential to be fantastic. If you're enjoying the Clam Podcast, it would be a great favor to us for you to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Reach us on Instagram or email us at theclampodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.